Well, all right, my friends, welcome back to Trekology. Here we are. Uh, thank you for joining us yet again. Uh, my name is Jeff. I am your co-captain on this voyage and my co-co-captain, other co-captain, whatever the other one of co -co -co -co. the co. Coco. Yeah. Uh, is Captain Greg. How are you, Captain Greg? Oh, Captain Jeff, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. That's why I asked the question. I mean, I know you, but I don't know specifically. Exhausted, Captain Jeff. Okay. We have been on a five-year journey, it right? seems like. It's a true. trek through the state. A trek through the state. So where, the last one was to... So we, we went to Oregon, and, Oregon. Then, uh, and then we went to uh, Utah. Okay. Spent a week out there with, uh, with my family. Excellent. And this is all in the car. Yeah, we we drove that car everywhere with okay. a six month old and a six year old. Okay, how do they do on long trips? You know, they're they're honestly they're great. Hmm. Wow. I I do worse than they do. On trips. <laughs> that was my second question. How do you and uh, and your wife do? You know, that last hour getting mm. home is getting the home? worst for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I just it, it's so close, and I. I have a hard time be pa being patient to hmm. get there. Okay. Okay. Now, are there stretches of driving that you enjoy? So when we were going to Oregon and we were taking the five up, yeah. Uh, after the California border and you start going into the mountains, Okay. wow, that was beautiful. Hmm. I have never been up that way before. What I was amazed about the most from being, I, I mean, Californian through and through, born here, <laughs> raised here. Honestly, I love it here. But what I was so amazed about in Oregon and even the the northern like top third of California was how much water there is. Really? Like you go over these gigantic rivers hmm. and it's no big deal. <laughs> I mean, these rivers have like access to the ocean. They're that big. Like right. you see barges going through. And it's like no big deal. People are just like having houses next to them, like not even big houses. Hmm. People living in the city right next to it's like no big deal. It's incredible coming from the Los Angeles area where the LA River is <laughs> more of like a like a water runoff. Yeah. Kind right. of situation. It's like the gutter. It's yeah. like, it's a big gutter, is yeah. what it is. Certainly at some stretches, yeah. It's it's incredible. People mm. in other parts of the country, I don't think, really uh, appreciate how dry it is. Interesting. <laughs> in California, right? In Southern California, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. It's mm. it's so beautiful up in Oregon. Interesting. Now, let me tell you about a part that I hate. Okay. <laughs> and again, it's super dry. It's that stretch on the fifteen. Uh, going east on the 15 from Vegas yeah. to St. George, Utah. Like it, the when you get into Arizona, maybe to the Arizona border, I should say, because you have that that part in the Arizona in Arizona where you go through the canyon there. Yeah. But from Las Vegas to the Arizona border is just the worst. Huh. Isn't that fairly short, though? I didn't think you spent much time. I I don't know. It just it feels like it goes feel longer than it is. Okay, because I was gonna say the one time that we went up to uh, Utah to see the visit you guys, uh, that stretch right there where it was like yeah, there's that little like corner where you're in Nevada, and then I think you cross into Colorado for like, or is it Colorado or it's whatever? Arizona. It is Arizona, yeah. but only for like ten minutes maybe. Uh, yeah, and then you hop into Utah. Uh, and then you go through this, this, yeah, this like valley. Uh, and I remember too, even as you're coming up on the freeway, uh, you can't actually see the valley. You just see that the freeway is headed straight towards this giant rock. And it's not <laughs> until you get right up to it that you kind of bend around the rock. Uh, and for me, at least, because uh, when we came up, we drove all, or I drove all night. And so right when I hit that spot was right about when the sun was coming up. Uh, oh, and so that, that was, nice. yeah, that was spectacular. Same thing seen, you know, so we drove through Las Vegas at like, 
you know, 3 a.m. or something like that, or maybe 4 a.m. But still, Vegas at night, that's always uh, um, uh, alluring. Uh, and then the desert at night is, is uh, you, you, you know, you can't see anything, so it's just a bunch of emptiness. But, uh, right. yeah, during the day, and it's hot, and I can definitely see that being, uh, there's literally nothing there, so. There, there really isn't. Yep, yep. Fair we, enough. We listened to my my six year old has gone into the Magic Treehouse books. I don't know those. And so we listened to a bunch of those, uh, you know, audiobooks. Oh, okay. Oh man, they get annoying after a See, while. See, that would be my thought: is that how much children's programming can you listen to oh. before? Because at least for my children, they want to listen to. I mean, that's probably better than just like I want to hear that exact same song over and over and over again oh we have a limit okay that's good he's allowed to request the same song three times <laughs> during the trip and that's it that's 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 good that's that's probably a solid strategy because otherwise yeah that's and we also like because my wife and i uh uh you know enjoy a good podcast as podcasters one would hope you would uh, but not that we're listening to inappropriate podcasts, but it's also like one, the kids are not going to be terribly interested in this. And two, if they do happen to pick up on some of this, it's like, uh, I don't know that this is really there. I don't want them repeating just some random phrase from, uh, right. you know, this again, not that it's inappropriate. It's just, it, it wouldn't be their understanding. So they'd use it in, in you know, in, 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 inappropriately possibly. And so we kind of have to wait till they fall asleep and then, yeah, so. Oh goodness, the the road the, trips with kids, right, right. Which still, and I will forever be singing the praises of uh, the sleeper car on Amtrak was the most spectacular road trip, uh, or just trip in general that I have ever taken, and I will recommend it every time. Other than the fact that it's crazy expensive, it's like two, maybe three times as expensive as flying, and uh, wow. So it's 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 basically like. It's a vacation in itself. And I mean, don't get me wrong. The great part is, is that, you know, so for us, we went to Chicago. Uh, and so that was a two night, 40 something hour trek. Uh, so you spend two nights sleeping on the, the train uh, and all of your meals are included. And they're really, really good meals. Surprisingly so. I was expecting airplane food, but no, they have a full on kitchen and a chef that's, you know, making fresh food and stuff like that. Uh, so that was amazing. But crazy expensive so i mean again nice to be rich but uh if if there's ever a, a coupon or a deal my friends uh yeah jump on that because that's definitely the way to go you know friend of the show robert yep. and i were talking just last week about how we he and i would like to do that going up to oregon one of these days mm -hmm. so maybe maybe we can make it a uh uh trip with the three of us right once my my wife's books sell uh, uh a million copies or 10 let's go 10 million 10 million copies 10 million. Then, okay then once we can... her books sell 10 million right copies. right so for you 10 listeners each of you need to buy 1 million copies of my wife's book so <laughs> uh and if one of the 10 is me i don't count so the rest <laughs> of you you really got your work cut out for you because I know Greg's not one of them, and I know my wife isn't one of them, so we're safe. On I've those already two. bought books. Yes, yes, but you're <laughs> falling short. Yes, yeah. you're falling short on the ten million. Uh, which, on a side note, that's uh, I wish I could say friend of the show, but uh, one of the people that the show admires or talks about, Phil Vischer from uh, Holy Post and Veggie Tales. Uh, he talks about how early on in Veggie Tales, that was the only thing that kept him afloat was that. Uh, every time he was about to run out of money, his parents would just buy like 50 <laughs> copies and put them in the, in like the basement. So he, he, that was his main uh, customer for early veggie tales days. So, so it happens. It happens. My friend. Um, Hey, as we're getting rolling here, any, uh, any Star Trek, uh, news to report or, uh, or, uh, yeah. Uh, experiences yeah. or feelings. Yeah. So we were in Utah Yep. and, um, you were there for the Fourth of July, and they had the town that we that we're in. Uh, they have a little um, festival, okay, and people are out there selling things. And I picked you up something. Uh oh, turn on my camera here. Actually, I should say that this is from Terezita. She's oh. the one who got it for you. <laughs> okay, 
but it, it's it's a Lego Spock. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So that's that's for you. Next okay. time we see each other, okay. I'll be giving this to you. We gotta put it, that on a, the Twitter. Um, it looks a little uh, a little sleepy. Sleepy. That's what I was okay. gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> my my nephews, upon seeing this box, well, first of all, they thought it was for them. Yeah. Second of all, they said, "Who is that?" Yeah, and his fingers. Oh goodness, yeah, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> excellent. So we'll take excellent. a picture of this and we'll put it on Twitter. Yeah, or well, and but that'll be uh, quite a thing. Yeah, that'll be great because <laughs> it was funny as I was watching the episode we're going to talk about tonight uh, last night, uh, which I got started way too late, and so the kids were. Uh, should have been in bed, but we're fighting it. And every time the TVs was on, of course, my son has to come out and be like, what is this? And right. saw the Star Trek logo. Now that Star Trek actually has a franchise logo, which I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but, uh, and he was just like, Star Trek? I don't know anything about Star Trek. I'm like, oh, and it's true. Especially now that he can't even watch Prodigy. So, sorry, I, I did pick up one more thing for me. Oh, okay at this it's a new book okay it's called the hidden universe travel guide to the klingon empire interesting and it's written like a travel guide it's illustrated throughout okay um all the hot spots that you want to visit <laughs> next time you're on uh right Kyranos. what so did you call it, it? Is... you mean no chronos chronos it has a Q. All right, but they oh well. No R. <laughs> it's that Gross. thick accent that you have, man. It's it's tough yeah. to it's tough to, to discern what you're saying. Sometimes. You know, I still have to work on my Klingon. I don't know how much Klingon you know, but uh, I, know I how used to, to have the success and like drink right. the blood of your enemies. No, you don't. How do you say that one? <laughs> no, Kapla. All I know is Kapla. Right, Kapla. Or or what is it in Star Trek Three? Moog Joo which I guess means beam <laughs> me up. Why does he have to draw out the Joe? I don't know, but he does. So, yeah, yeah. We were talking because we used to speak, uh, my wife and I would speak Spanish to each other when we didn't want our son to know what we were talking about. Sneaky. But now, you know, he's learning Spanish right, in school. Right. So. I told her that now we're going to learn uh, Klingon. But of course, when we talk about something like uh, we, uh, you know, we have cookies in the back. Right. Don't let Javi know. <laughs> we'll have to translate cookies to something like uh, raw meat sweet, or wimpy bread. That's you know, <laughs> wimpy bread. That's good. That's good. So actually, along those lines, that I'll throw in is my Star Trek experience, which, as per usual, uh, is is just the the constant clickbait that I always get sucked into uh, <laughs> about some list that is always just like, are you kidding me? Uh, but oh oh oh, one so the two, uh, one that I just looked at this morning, which was like it was like ten things of the next generation that have not aged well, and it was like. Eight of them were like, well, actually, I think all of them were like, these never. It's not like at some point people were like, oh, Crusher is sleeping with a ghost. Okay, that seems normal. No, we never thought that. It hasn't aged poorly. It was poor to begin with. And so the same thing it said, what was it? It was, uh, um, uh, I think the number one one was, uh, what, uh, uh, Code of Honor. Uh, and I was like, no, even from the beginning, we thought this was lousy. Same thing with right. the naked, was it naked time, naked now, whatever the data and Tasha sleeping together. Like, no, no, no. Everyone yep. thought that was weird from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> and then the one, I mean, the one that I guess would be, has a little bit more credence was, uh, they said like how, how poor the, uh, female centric episodes were. And I'm like, okay, that that has some because it it, it 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 probably would bear more notice today uh, across the board uh, that the female characters were uh, underrepresented in uh, the quality yeah. and depth of their stories and 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 all of that. Uh, although the other one that they said is that they said something about like um, like uh, weak character arcs due to the episodic nature of the show. And for me, I was like. I think that's a uh, that's a serial centric perspective. That's right. the belief that today's storytelling is superior 
because it's today's storytelling. Uh, and right. as we've talked about, like with Strange New Worlds and other shows like that, I don't think that that's true. I think it's different. And there are certain benefits and pluses and minuses, um, but I don't, yeah, I wouldn't go uh, as far as to say it's one is definitively better than the other. Um, or that you can't develop characters in, in uh, episodic uh, television. I don't think that's true either. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I yeah, would I say... Star Trek actually proves that. Exactly. And I would say not only Next Generation, but I would say like there's, there's very rich character development in Deep Space Nine, and I, Deep Space Nine is still episodic. Uh, I mean, there are overall arcs, and there is, like, they do multi-episode uh, arcs especially, um, and there's themes for each season, uh, unlike Next Generation, but it's still not serialized television like we have today. Uh, each episode does have its own uh, identity and storyline and arc in itself and stuff like that, so. Right. Anywho, uh, but the one I will throw in, especially because it connects to an episode, uh, actually several episodes that we did last season, I did see a uh, quote-unquote official ranking of uh, Star Trek captains, the 10 greatest uh, Star Trek captains, and they they did not agree with us. Uh, I think they, because for us, if I recall, um, Kirk ended up, Kirk ended up winning, yeah? He was number one? No. I think... Now I forget. I think... It wasn't Janeway, was it? No, no, no. It definitely came down to Picard and Kirk. And I thought we gave it to Kirk, but now I don't remember. Gosh, I'm going to go back and listen to my own episode, or our own episode. <laughs> uh, but, nonetheless, what they... I think they put Kirk as number four. Uh, oh. Janeway was number two. I think the new... Captain Pike might have been number three. Uh, so that puts Cisco at like number five. Uh, and then um, didn't they put, did they put Lorca as number 10? I don't know. They had a bunch of like wackadoo ones that I was just kind of like, what? Uh, they put Michael Burnham as number eight. Uh, but I guess she did get a, a whole season as the captain. So Saru didn't crack the top 10. So that's, oh, that's poor uh, Saru. although, cause he, uh, anyway, so, uh, but I did think that was interesting as, as kind of a comparison and, and also just like a, uh, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, compared to what, um, to what we, what we saw. And I, th I think we did a much more in depth that felt like a shooting from the hip. If, as I was reading it, I was like, I don't think you guys put as much thought into this. As we did, so <laughs> they didn't have a scientific we ranking. totally like did man we used the, the william covey and we used sansu and like yep. we were very very official so uh so my friends if you didn't listen to that one go back to last season check out our march captain's madness because uh, well we have the only yeah, authoritative, authoritative uh ranking of the captain yep yep in existence ours should be ours should be canon yep yep yes the gold standard the of gold Captain Ranking. standard. Speaking of gold standard, is it speaking of gold standard? Maybe not. Uh, we, my friends, have been discussing Picard and uh, the different episodes. So this week, we're going to jump into season three because our resident expert on Picard, Terezita Overdune, recommended No Win Scenario. Uh, that uh, is season four. Three, episode four, and uh, dealing with... Uh, well, let me see. Let me try and sum up this episode. Because, to be honest, my friends, as with serialized television, jumping in to episode four, I was pretty darn lost. I, I There were several characters, and I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Where did this come from? Why are they doing... Like, I don't... I, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough for me to follow because i hadn't watched uh episode one two or three or all of season two although from what i hear season two didn't really matter to season right. three a whole lot but as best as i could tell it um for uh apparently uh picard has a long lost son with beverly crusher who is being hunted by this uh, uh group called the shrike which apparently is a changeling and we're not exactly sure at this point why they want him, but uh, uh, r this captain of the USS Titan 
uh, is uh, hunting, like trying to escape or, or whatever. Uh, Picard calls for some bad maneuver where he's like, we have to fight and fight and fight. And then uh, they end up blowing themselves up somehow. So then they're sinking into this nebula and they are so um, messed up that it looks like there's no way for them to escape. So they are just going to be crushed by this nebula. So Riker has taken command and he kind of like says like, well, we're all going to die. So let's all make our peace with that. Uh, so then Picard has kind of a reconciliation of sorts with the son that he never knew. Uh, and then they end up figuring out uh, uh, actually the same scenario that they used in Treasure Planet to ride uh, an energy wave out of the nebula. Uh, they figure out this <laughs> I plan. I totally forgot about right? that movie. Right? That's, is that where they got it from? Or I don't know. Uh, and so then they do that to escape, and uh, that's kind of the end. They didn't really have any – I don't know where they were going from there. Maybe probably to go get fixed up because I doubt that they're all okay. Um, oh, and then meanwhile, apparently there is a changeling saboteur that is on the uh, the ship. And uh, Seven of Nine, uh, who I guess is part of this crew, and everybody respects her about being a great leader – uh, she has to team up with the old captain who might be a jerk. I guess he is a jerk because uh, they refer to him by several swear words. And uh, they have to fix the ship and then also hunt down the changeling, which they do. And then they escape. Uh, is that Does that does that hit, uh, hit most of the marks for you, Greg? Yeah, that, I think that sums it up. Okay. Had you watched se- uh, episode one, two, and three? No, I haven't. Okay. Tells me that I okay. really that both of us need to watch season three. So 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 there's a lot coming into here where it's kind of uh, we don't know exactly what's going on. Right. But but I will say this that last episode we were talking about all these things about what Picard could have been. Yes. About like Picard facing being old, yep. basically. Yep. <laughs> about. Riker dealing with the loss of his son. Yep. And it sounds like we're getting hints, at least in this episode, that that's what season three is about. Yeah. I mean, for me, and that was the tough part, this episode alone didn't necessarily make me like, oh, man, I really want to watch the rest of this season. Uh, Other than, for me, like, it was interesting. This felt like an almost entirely different show. I mean, even the opening yeah. credits, they changed the opening credits. They did, like we were talking about with Enterprise, where remember the first couple of seasons of Enterprise, it was just called Enterprise until they're like, this is a bad idea. Let's change it to Star Trek Enterprise. Same thing, is that I'm pretty sure the first two seasons were just Picard. This was very definitely Star Trek Picard. And yeah. uh, the logo and was different. Like it. it did, it did. And uh, yeah, again, they really touched base you know, into... Uh, you know, uh, Beverly was in this episode and then Riker was a main part of this episode as well as, uh, uh, obviously Picard, uh, seven of nine for some reason. Uh, I, I mean, I guess just fan favorite. I don't know. She doesn't really have any, you know, she's not part of the reunion tour, but maybe she's just amazing. Or I don't Jerry know. Is it? Yeah. Um, so for me, though, going back to what you're saying, I, I think you're right. So Jerry, we're so anti Jerry Ryan on this podcast. Are oh, we? Are, well, I don't, anyway. Um, but, uh, so for me, uh, I, I will agree, although, again, it feels like I need to go back and touch into some of the, like, what set Riker up to be into that spot. Because uh, for me, what they referenced in this episode was that Riker was feeling nothing about the loss of their son because he just kind of, like, couldn't handle it, so he just shut down, and that was so much harder on uh troy because uh, as an empath like she you know wasn't getting anything out of her out of her her husband and um for me like i i guess that's an explanation of that previous episode we watched but for me it didn't feel like a genuine one where i'm like i don't know i mean so you're saying the reason that riker seemed to be happy-go-lucky riker in that last episode is that he was repressing all of his feelings uh maybe i don't know that jonathan frakes was doing that as an actor that didn't seem like i didn't see that Uh, no that's probably true but if you're gonna retcon that like okay that's a solid retcon like i'll get behind that that's not that's not bad 
For me, though, the Picard angle, that one I struggled with. Because for me, on one side, I have the Picard that we saw through most of Next Generation who actively disliked children. He was uncomfortable around children. He was just like, I don't, I mean, there's the famous episode where, what is it? They all get caught on the turbo lift. So it was kind of a recurring theme. Uh, And then you had the inner light where he actually has children in this alternate, you know, whatever. Um, And he even has that line where he said, like, I never thought I needed children to complete my life. And now I can't picture children like my life without them. But then he kind of goes back to normal. And I don't see that side from season five on i didn't see that side of picard so because for me the had a child i never knew about angle is like oh i don't know and i don't know if it's just my own like moral code as a christ follower or whatever that kind of bothers me as a as a plot technique uh it was the same thing with like um what was it superman returns where superman this paragon of virtue apparently got Lois Lane pregnant and then took took off. And I'm like, what? Like, how does that, I don't, how does that happen? Like, that doesn't make any sense with Superman's character. Same thing with Picard, where it's like Picard's character, and again, maybe I've missed some of this, maybe that they explain this away, that it makes more sense. But for Picard to somehow impregnate Beverly Crusher and then just be like, what? You had a child? It's like, that's, I don't know. That seems like a a, a major moral failing. Um, which is different because I feel like what they're going for in some ways is Star Trek 2. Where Star Trek 2 you had Kirk. But even Kirk, who is a known, or at least the reputation is that he's a philanderer. Very different than Picard. But even in that case, he, it's not that he didn't know about David. He knew about David. And Carol specifically said, I don't want you to be a part of his life. Like, that, right. that's very different than, like, I have a son I never knew. So, I don't know. I kind of have issues with that as as just as a plot technique, I guess. Um, His name's... Jack? Right. Jack. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Jack, Jack Crusher. I mean, he's an adult in this one. Uh, so Picard could still not like children. <laughs> right. I mean, we don't know the backstory here. Hmm. So we should probably find out that before right. we extrapolate too much. Part of, the, part of this discussion is kind of one of the things that this episode touched on. Right. Right. Uh, the flashback story oh, yeah. that was going on that that was about Picard's, um, you know, cavalier attitude towards personal entanglements. Okay. Yep. That, that the crew is the family that he wants and that he needs, but, uh, personal family, that's not something he gives any, any thought to. Right. But then why? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's where, for me, that kind of falls apart a little bit with the whole, yeah, getting getting Beverly pregnant and like were they married or were they in, at least in a committed relationship? Like again, I I don't know that. Maybe that comes in. Yeah, um, I wonder what that was like because I, yeah. can, I I don't know. I I guess I can I I would buy Picard and Crusher. You know, after leaving the Enterprise, I I could I could buy them hooking up. Really? See, for me, I don't know that of the romances. The fact that that Picard had always pined for Beverly, I don't know that I ever really bought that as much. No? Uh, I mean, they said that. So, I mean, it's yeah. true. But as far as, like, did they... But you didn't... Did it they, wasn't believable to did you? Did they earn that? No. For me, because there was no evidence. I mean, especially, like, again, one of my favorite episodes is that one uh, where he, he falls for the... Uh, uh, Lieutenant Darren, who's the the, and they play yeah. the keyboard and stuff like that in the in the Jeffrey's yeah. tube, and I'm like, that makes sense. She fits, whereas Crusher and Picard, like, they don't fit. And there's been so little chemistry. I mean, the best that they had was like, well, they get tea every now and again, and like, okay, but that, but yeah, it just didn't. See, as I... opposed to Riker and Troy, that I get. I, again, did they? Like, we talked about you know back in the the romance episode. Did they? earn their whole arc and was it a will they won't they no but at least they had the chemistry that i'm like okay there was something here i buy that but yeah the crusher one i don't know that was a little thinner for me i disagree you know maybe it was because i watched this 
I, I watched TNG uh, being very young, right? You know, and not maybe not totally understanding. Well, definitely not totally understanding how love works. <laughs> okay, but I I did always see them as two people who were intimate with each other hmm. because of because of uh, Beverly's husband. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, Jean Luc and Jack were best friends as was talked about in this episode. Yeah. And it was clear that they, the three of them were close. Yeah. Were very close. Yeah. And that, that after Jack's death, there was some uh, estrangement or maybe not estrangement, but maybe just some distance. Yeah. And then being back together, that intimacy, I, I felt like was still there, but mm. also that professional relationship. Yeah. Was there, there was always that possibility of chemistry. Interesting. That that a, a certain amount of like maybe not like going straight to eros love, hmm. but the kind of like um, philos love that turns into eros love. Interesting, you know? Yeah, uh, the deep friendship that turns yeah. to lover. I felt like that could have been built on more because then I feel like then you threw Guinan in, and then Guinan was like Picard's buddy, and then um, yeah. The for me, and I mean, may, again, maybe this is my own personal thing, and I wonder if your average viewer doesn't feel the same way about having a child, like a surprise child with with with, with somebody. Like, is uh, it doesn't feel like that's typically a moral seen as a moral failing. And for me, it just it always does. Again, that's what didn't work for me about the Superman movie, and that's the one uh-huh. for this, where it's just like this is not the Picard. Like, and I mean, and that's part of what I think the show is trying to do is trying to like knock Picard down a couple of notches, where he's, right. he's not this paragon of virtue or whatever that he that we saw in Next Generation, but he's kind of a cranky old man who, uh, you know, makes bad choices and you know is uh, is whatever. Um, and that's kind of what this episode was about, right? Mm. Like he, he is not a good father. He probably would not have been a good father. Right. But then why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And cause that's the other part too, is that I, I'm guessing like, you know, in, in a more, you know, conservative, uh, religious perspective, uh, I think we're supposed to, uh, 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 maybe have the idea of like, uh, if you're gonna have sex with somebody, then having a child has to be on the table. Um, and I don't know that other people think that way, where it's kind of like, you know, if if you have sex with somebody and then you find out, you know, a year later that like, oh, by the way, I had a child. And it was like, oh, um, whoops. Like, it's it's much less of a, uh, uh, um, like, I don't know, you really, you, you know, you really uh, dropped the ball on this one or something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 a a challenging wrinkle for me, I guess. So 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 rules for life from Jeff is if you have sex with somebody that you can have a child with, then you should stay in contact at least for like 10 months just to make sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, I feel okay. I mean, again, yeah. And it's another one where it's like for me, the the un um, uh unavailable or whatever like the fatherless child or whatever um because because that's the other challenge too as a, as a male i guess is that motherless child is not really a possibility outside of like death or whatever i mean like there's abandonment and stuff like that but it's just like the mother's gotta be there for nine months at least like that's that's kind of like physically a requirement uh and then beyond that is is somewhat of a um uh a bigger challenge, I guess. Whereas for the male, like could the male like physically just take off and, you know, not be around for those nine months. It's possible. Like, especially if it's, you know, like a surprise pregnancy or stuff like that. Uh, but you know, the, the absence of a father is obviously a big deal. Um, you know, especially today and, and people talking about that and like, you know, as a male, I feel like that's, that's something that, um, we we want to uh i don't know take responsibility for i think is a uh is a big thing to me i suppose don't abandon your babies dudes that's generally a good uh, a good philosophy i think i think it truly is 
Speaking of philosophy, uh, so I did find it a little bit challenging. I don't know that there were, I mean, there was maybe the one main one that Picard is kind of wrestling with and it kind of turned into the like dun 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 at the end of the episode. Um, but beyond that kind of like things that I feel like this episode wanted us to wrestle with, I don't know that it was as clear uh, as certain other episodes. Uh, but one, and, and, and it was kind of confusing to be honest because it felt like different people in this episode there was one where it was kind of again Riker seemed to be in the like well we're all going to die like this is it we're all dead but nobody else seemed to really feel that way I didn't see even Picard I don't know that he was like you know we're all gonna die so I gotta face my own mortality like I, I didn't feel it was more like well I guess I gotta talk to this this guy now um, but the other people didn't seem as, I mean, there was a little bit of that. There was like, they all came into the bar at the one point and they were kind of hugging each other. Uh, but I felt like they kind of downplayed that. I mean, especially seven of nine and this captain guy, like they were much more, uh, kind of like, I don't know, focused on their tasks and stuff like that. So, uh, but it did make me think at the very least about like what, what changes or, or what do you think? facing certain and imminent death does like what because in movies it's a very it seems to be a pretty common scenario most of the cases they get out of it because who wants to watch facing imminent death and then they die so usually they come to grips with that and then miraculously are saved uh which even Riker mentions that at one point he's like no we're supposed to sit here until we're rescued i'm like whoa rescued where did that come from like i thought you were facing your death but now it's like no no we're supposed to sit and wait and um so like i don't know what what do you like (laughs) i don't want to like imagining your own death um but imagining a scenario where you know we're kind of faced with that imminent reality like i don't know what do you think what do you think changes first of all i i think it would be it would be really neat to see a, you know, a movie or a TV show or even read a book where the character is facing imminent death at the end and actually dies. It'd be really neat. Resolved. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought neat would be the first word, but how about interesting? interesting there okay. we go okay it'd be interesting to see to see that like well done yeah where the movie is not actually resolved at the end like the sopranos but what if like tony like the the guy comes in shoots tony and you see this all through like tony's eyes yeah like shoots tony and then it goes black hmm. you know yeah like that's his no reality. resolution just like people die sometimes yep as you know, as they do. Yeah. Well, and I feel like on a, on a side note, real quick, that, that that's something I've been watching uh, a bunch of stuff about uh, Scrubs, and I feel like that's something that they used in the TV show Scrubs uh, several times about people in the ICU that are faced with their mortality. I'm going to die, and you know, dealing with that, I think, was a part of. Uh, they touched on that in that show, but. Yeah. Yes, they did, and they did a great job. Yes. I think that in that show with dealing with death in fact just you know off the top of my head i can't think of any other media that deals with death in such a insightful way as this zach braff comedy show bill lawrence technically but zach braff is the star obviously yeah fair enough okay but yeah uh, it's i mean death is hard to deal with and i've have you ever been in a position, Jeff, where you felt like, okay, this may be it? Um, we, I feel like we might have talked about this before. I mean, I've had a couple of cases where I felt like this is a possibility, where I had actually uh-huh. a fear. I mean, like the first one I remember is, so when I was in eighth grade, we did a, a hiking trip, uh, or like uh, we went to Yosemite, and we did a bunch of hiking around Yosemite, and um, we hiked up Half Dome. And uh, if you're familiar with Half Dome, like the, it's literally like half of a circular dome. And you can actually hike to the tip-tip top of it. But in order to get up, it's almost straight up and down. So there's these cables that you have to hold on to so that you don't fall. 
Uh, and oh, taking these eighth graders up there, uh, the teachers and the chaperones even pointed out, they're like, so like, this is a really bit like you do not let go. Like literally, if you let go of this cable, you will fall and die. Like, so don't do not let go. Um, and, and I think they, I mean, who knows if they would do that in this day and age, but, um, I think that the thought process is they're not, you're not going to let go. Uh, and to be honest, even if you did let go, you'd probably fall first forward and then the people behind you would catch you. But I definitely had the, 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 that moment of kind of dealing with like, okay, I'm in a scenario right now where if I slip and fall and let go, like I'm gone. So that's, that's, uh, yeah. Kind of facing that reality, I think, um, I don't know that it was ever like a uh, like an imminent thing where I felt like there is a good possibility I am dead, but it is at least the the yeah the possibility of it happening. Yeah, I I I, I have a similar experience. Okay. on that. there's a hike in uh, uh, Zion, I believe, where it's called Angels Landing, where you're also holding on to chains that they they, they put in the rock. Okay. So that you don't fall to your imminent demise. Now, I'm usually a very careful person. Right. But, uh, you know, as a teenager, you know, you find yourself in situations that maybe, you know, maybe aren't beyond your control. But if you had made better choices earlier in the day, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't be in those situations later in the day. Okay. And <laughs> we I remember there was one night where uh, I was with some friends. I was a passenger in a car on the freeway. And uh, the driver, who I didn't know real well, was driving very, very fast down Mm. the 15. And um, we had some very close calls Mm. that night. And... um, where I grew up, it was in a rural area, and uh, we had a number of, of highways that went through, uh, like, on the borders of our town. And there was, every year, there were teenagers who died. Every year. Multiple teenagers dying on the, those highways. On the 138, and the 18, and 395. And uh, I remember being in that car and thinking, okay. There is a very good, there's a very good chance here that, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to be one of those teenagers that dies uh, in a car wreck. Hmm. I think about that sometimes. And I think about like, how ready am I to die? Hmm. I guess, you know, during COVID, it was kind of a longer, a longer thing, a, a longer risky uh freeway driving kind of thing interesting where you know during covid during the height of it it felt like there was a possibility that you were going to die or people close to you were going to die and to and all of us i think know at least one person who died during covid right you know it from covid and that i mean it touched it touched close to all of us and we were just I mean, it could have been us. Right. You what know? can you do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And and it was during that time when I really started to realize, like, if if I'm going to die, then then so be it. You mm. know, I I'm I am definitely ready to die. Um, I I would rather not. <laughs> okay. But um. Yeah, I mean, my my. When we start talking about death, inevitably we get we we have to touch on the religious aspect of it. You know, that's yeah. inescapable. But I mean, my everything I have, my life, and everything about it, isn't really my my own. It's more like it's more loaned to me, so that I might do good things with it. You know, I, 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 I'm able to surrender all of that, you know, or that's my goal at least is to be able to surrender all of that. Sure. sure. It's, um, so dying, I, I feel like I'm in a place where I can, uh, I can look at my life and say like, okay, I, I have spent my life well, 
and I'm not even 40 yet, but I feel like I've spent my life well. And that, you know, if I die, I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of regrets or anything mm. like that. And, uh, yeah, like I, I'm ready for that. Interesting. Um, so I feel like if I'm in that position again, um, if I'm aboard a spaceship that's falling into a gravity well, <laughs> it, it would be the waiting would be the most difficult thing. Right. I'm guessing in my life, the closest that I've actually been to death was when I was, uh, what was it, fourth grade? So fourth grade, you're, I don't know, 10, 11? yeah around there somewhere well i I can do the math but um and uh i was at the beach with a friend and i slipped we were like exploring uh the hillside and i slipped and i like fell off this like 50 foot cliff and um apparently i i mean i landed in the sand and it turned out i had a bunch of scrapes and stuff like that but i was fine um but uh i landed relatively close to a bunch of rocks so in theory, I could have fallen off of this cliff, landed, my my head hits a rock, and that's it. I'm done. Um, now, that experience itself happened in a flash. I remember uh, slipping and trying to, like, grab, like, a plant or something like that, but slipping, falling, and then I, I, I don't know, I blacked out, or I just, I, I feel like I remember bouncing, like, maybe I hit the side, or I don't know. But either way, like, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's in a moment. So in that case, yeah. and granted, I'm 10 or 11, so I don't know, like, life flashing before your eyes, you don't have a whole lot of life to go by. But <laughs> it was relative, like, there's not a whole lot of time for contemplation in that case. Um, and I, I feel like, sadly, that that's maybe the, the, the a lot of experiences of near-death experiences are, like, that, like, it brushes by. It was, it was a, it was a moment. Um, and so then maybe in, in hindsight, you can look back and be like, whoo, I could have died. Like, wow, I need to take stock of my life and et cetera, et cetera. But to be in a case where, yeah, you're faced with that and you're like, I think about like, it, again, it doesn't sound like that's what actually happened, but like the case of that, that submarine, uh, that, uh, uh that got crushed. Uh, and it sounds like that's what happened to them is that it was in an instant. And so they had no time to reflect on it, but for a lot of us, our fear was that they were trapped and they were going to be inside of this thing for 96 hours until their oxygen wore out. And what would that have been like um, to, yeah, be just, just, you know, having nothing but your thoughts. Um, and for me, like, I think you're right. Like, like there is definitely the, the, uh, our spiritual uh, beliefs and, uh, that belief that, you know, that uh, my understanding of the Christian faith is that we believe that, uh, you know, we, we will continue forever in one form or another, whether uh, uh, that's an existence with God or without. Although I, I have been uh, and even hearing people talk about there's actually not a whole lot of uh, scriptural evidence for that belief. But a lot of Christians, I think, do believe that that's the case. The the eternal soul or whatever is uh, apparently that's a Plato uh, philosophy and not a Christian philosophy, but you know, popular Christian culture, I think has adopted that. Um, but at the very least, like the, the, you know, Christ does definitely teach that, you know, death has been defeated is that he is more powerful than death. And so that we're not, you know, to fear death itself. Uh, and so for right. me, I don't feel like that's the main tenet of my faith. I think for some people it is like, that's the reason that they believe in Christianity is so that they don't have to be afraid of death. I don't think that's the main thing that we believe, but I think it is, you know, a part of it. And, um, for me, I guess, uh, the main thought, uh, has been less about me then and more about like my children. And having children, I think, even even getting married, getting married and then having children, I think, was a game changer in that. Because for me, uh, I think the main reason that I do not want to die right now is I don't want... Uh, I don't want my children to have that experience. I don't want my children to grow up, um, yeah, without me, without a, without a dad. Um, now, could like something else come across? Could they? Will they be fine? Will they survive? Will they? I'm sure. Um, I mean, it will do damage to them, no doubt, uh, in some form or fashion. Could you know my wife get remarried and then they have a, a wonderful stepdad that takes care of them? Sure, that's a possibility. But I still like would prefer them to grow up with me, um, right. whether selfishly or not. Like, I feel like that's, that's, um, yeah. Well then, I mean, that's 
kind of that's kind of both parts of the episode here. Right. You know, about fatherhood and about imminent death. Is that so do single people have nothing to live for? Hmm. Is what I'm getting. <laughs> okay. Or I was gonna phrase it a little bit differently, because I feel like you're right. Like what this episode uh ultimately wants us to wrestle with, I think, is uh I mean, I would say it maybe goes as far as family versus community, where yeah. I mean that's the line that Picard said, right? Which I right. I, and that's another one that I don't know that I agree. I mean, it's canon, so now it is part of Picard's personality. I don't know that that's consistent with what I saw from Next Generation, that he says Starfleet is the only family I ever needed. Like, ah, uh, uh, I don't know that that's, uh, you know, consistent. But either way, he said it, so we're going to go with that. Uh, and it's kind of this idea of, like, um, yeah, community versus family. And... For me personally, I feel like that's a false choice. I don't think that it's that that it needs to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, I think they both have their own value, and I think ultimately, do people need both? I don't know. What do you think? Do people need both? We we've talked about this uh, personally. I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the podcast, but I'm I'm a big big believer in the power of community right and i think that's something that as a society we lack right now much much to our detriment mm. i think a lot of the problems that we see today in our society is because of a lack of community and i mean we could i could talk about this for the entire episode but i think that families work best when they're part of a community when, okay. when there is there is sharing of family across um, across family lines that we mm. we we work together as families together, you know that we um, I don't think that our family, you know mine and Teresita's, and then your family and Robert's family would have made it as well through the lockdowns and everything if it wasn't for the fact that we were all uh helping each other hmm. kind of like the it takes a village sort of a thing right yeah because i i think i think that that that's the way that we were that we evolved or were designed or however okay. you want to say it. i think god has made us into um community-based beings hmm. that at the earliest times we were in community and that's how our that's how our biology that's how our brain chemistry works yeah for most people i'm not saying like there aren't those yeah. people who do better alone right but, but i am saying i i am going to make the generalization that most people need a community yeah or at least there's value to doing it that way i mean the one i guess not pushback but i guess reframe that as i would think about it or i don't think it would be accurate to say i have helped in raising your son and making him who he is today i don't and i wouldn't put it the other way around i don't think that you have helped raise uh my son and daughter i maybe raise is too strong of a word yeah but you have been a positive influence in my son's life. Okay. That knowing you has made my son's life better. Hmm. And that okay. that's that's a plus. You know, that that's a positive thing that we would have lacked if we hadn't been intentional about making community. Okay. Well, that's, I was going to, I guess, kind of, again, the reframe was, I, I think that you and, and your wife and, and Robert, and I think you have had an indirect influence on uh, my children's development because you have changed uh, the way that I parent and that I parent differently because of the community that we have and the perspective that I have gained by being in community with you and Teresita and Robert and other people. Um, huh. As far as the direct, and I mean, I think and some of it could also be just like, you know, what, you know, what influence do other adults have on our children? I mean, I, I think there are some communities where it is maybe like, again, the whole it takes a village thing. I guess I've always kind of seen it as 
like like not necessarily co-parenting but that idea of you know uh uh yeah like a community direct involvement in children's lives and i think there are communities like that where you know other parents will discipline other children or they will you know give advice or give direction or something like that and i don't know that we have that and that's okay that could just be a difference in our community but again that's where i feel like it doesn't lessen the value that the that that our community has brought even in just like uh the you know parents um parenting together or at least parenting maybe side by side is maybe a different way to put that side by side that's a good way of saying it you know when i was growing up for all the problems that i had in my church growing up Mm -hmm. one of the best parts for me as a like a young teenager was the involvement of adults other than my parents in my life Hmm. that I felt like I had a lot of male and female role models around me that I could trust that I could talk to and that I could learn from and who took an active role in my life Hmm. That was incredibly important to me. And, you know, I, I, I still think about, you know, Gary and Zeke and Suzanne and uh, the, the, the other adults that were involved in my life at, in a very, like, formative way for me hmm. growing up. I, I am who I am because of their, their involvement. It wasn't just my friends. In fact, I would say that those adults had more of an impact on me than my peers did because they were always there. They were always around. You know, they were always right. part of that. And honestly, I don't I don't see that happening a lot anymore. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because we don't have teenagers yet. But I, I think that we do have to be intentional about finding those people for our kids that will be good influences for them as they grow up and, and take an interest. And I'm not saying like take over a parenting role, but right. to take an interest in their upbringing. Like I, I feel like, you know, I, I would be, I would be honored to do with your kids. Mm. You know, if, if your son, um, you know, feels like he can come to me and talk about something that maybe he feels like he can't talk to you about, I, I would be I would be honored and I'd probably also tell you about it. Too. <laughs> but you know that that happens that happens in life. Yeah. You know you can't yeah. tell your parents everything, but you do want them going to adults that you trust sure. rather than to their peers. Right, right, right. Or or maybe in addition even better. Um, cuz I do feel like that's one of the unique things about a church community, hopefully, uh is that there's a certain like um maybe a level of of trust and intimacy and expected intimacy that mm, expected uh intimacy. yeah that's a that nice is, phrase so like for example like a um a teacher or maybe even like a fellow parent in school so i would expect um that if a fellow parent uh happened to be visiting like the classroom or something like that and saw you know, like saw my son stub his toe and start crying or something like that. And they could add, could give comfort. I'd be like, great. That was an expected, like, you know, whatever. But if they were going to see a behavior that their specific, you know, parenting style says this is inappropriate and for them to be like hey this behavior needs to be changed you or or this part of your whatever um needs to be altered that for me as a parent is a little stepping over the line where it's kind of like that i don't i don't know that i have given you permission because i disagree with your parenting technique or something like that Right. Uh, we've joked about like uh, us being kind of the hippie parents and the, the fact that we have our parenting style tends to be a little bit more free range than like yours has been. We were going to say to your son, hey, come on over. Like, we're going to let you be free range for a couple of days. You'd be like, well, 
that's not really our family. That's not really <laughs> your role to change the way that I am parenting my child. So there's there's a little bit of that where I feel like there's certain boundaries that we, you know, set. And even, you know, like even in our community right here, just our living community that we, you know, have um, – uh, the, the families that live around and that we see various families that uh, use curse words around their children and to say, like, you better not F and do this or, you know, better not F and do that. And for me, I'm kind of like, I'd rather you not talk to my child that way, because like, that's not how we function. That's not our right. parenting technique um, and and vice versa to, to tell your children like, oh, no, this is not an appropriate way for a parent to speak to a child. It's like that's your family culture. And I kind of don't. I don't have permission to change that um, just as I have not given you permission to change this for me. So right. I don't know. It's now, it's now, I mean, to be fair, like if you, if you wanted to take our son for a couple of days and you know, if he was going over for a sleepover or whatever, yeah, then I'm not like expecting you to, you know, I mean, our family is very structured and right. You know, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to like, well, Jeff, you got to keep him to a schedule. Sure. He's going to do the, you know, have fun with him. Right. You know, and if, if your son was hanging out with us for a couple of days, I would say, well, yeah, now it's time for lunch. Right. We Sit have down, our structure. You would inevitably wander off because that's your son. But it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. There would be no, uh, no punishment. Just right. an understanding that that's how your son is. Right. And that's and some I of those think, boundaries, I think. Yeah. And I don't, I, I mean, I can't change your son. <laughs> right. 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 But, and so I mean, it, I guess that's the difference. Like if he was your son, then it might be a little different where it's just kind of right. like, this it is would, not appropriate. The, the fact that you're not eating your dinner and you're just wandering away, like, this is not what we do. Like you don't right. get to leave the table. Like, cause that's your family culture. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. So, so I don't know. It is, and, and it's interesting too, even just like cross country, cross cultural lines, uh, is that there are other cultures where that would like, that would be okay. The, 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 the other parents do have that permission, uh, is that, you know, like I, I'm sure there are cultures where it's like, Hey, if my child gets out of hand, you have implicit, in, uh, um, permission to spank them. Like that's right. the, spank someone because who is not children. your child. Exactly. And they're that's children and they, the rest of you are adults and right. it's an adult's job to teach the children how to be adults. Right. Just, just across the board that that's right. That that's that. And and that's, I think that's a little different than, you know, obviously there's different cultures and there's other ones where it's just like, you know, a child behaving a certain way in a different culture would be seen as like an offense. And that, right. that is like, you are offending your parents by doing this or, or whatever, you know? And that's, that's somewhat of the challenge that we've talked about, I think, with uh, intercultural uh, interactions as well. But having a good understanding of those boundaries is yes. important. I think that's true. I think that's true. Uh, so unfortunately, we're kind of out of time because I did want to wrestle with that first question that you asked about, like, is it like, uh, you know, single people and like, uh, is it better to have community than to have if you have to choose between one or the other? Like, it seems like Picard has chosen, um, but we'll have to save that for another time because I feel like that will come up at some point. So I don't know if it'll come up as we're talking about uh, Strange New Worlds or uh, Lower Decks or Lower anything. De uh, you think it'll come up in Lower Decks? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, um, because they're doing uh, Lower Decks next, right? Yes, yes. Next episode, we are moving into Lower Decks, so which is your my, realm. Yes. So I think next week, we are going to be talking about uh, parent and child relationships from the perspective, instead of as parents, from the perspective of, of adult children. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So maybe we should have saved some of this for next episode, but uh, well, I'm sure we'll have, there'll be plenty. To we'll talk have about. plenty to chew on. I'm sure with that one. So, um, all right. So yes, uh, my friends, uh, again, I don't know, uh, at least on this side, I don't know if I'm ready to recommend you going in and diving into Picard. Uh, but at the very least, uh, it does seem like, yeah, we've had plenty to chew on. Uh, from this episode, uh, at the very least, uh, no wood fire pizzas this time. So that is very, that is very sad. And I thought that was the theme of the entire show, but uh, I, I felt like Riker was a little sad through the whole thing that he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. that he Burning probably his programmed the holodeck. 
to just be a wood fire oven which can in a I, white room. Can I just throw in the ridiculousness of the fact that like we need every little ounce of power, but the holodeck, that's fine. And I mean, it runs on a different system so that people can still enjoy the holodeck in the middle of a tragedy. What? Come on. <laughs> that was too... I mean, I understand why they wanted to do it as a plot technique, but like that was pretty ridiculous that they couldn't somehow siphon power from when every last bit means the last <laughs> breath that we can take, but can't touch the holodeck. So, Oh goodness. All right, my friends. Well, yes. Uh, look forward uh, in two weeks to joining us for that as we move into lower decks. Uh, but for this episode, we will say goodbye to Picard as well as goodbye to all of you as always. Uh, please join us uh, not only next episode, but feel free to, to journey back and check out some of the previous episodes. I, I, I do think it's a pretty nice format we've been doing where you can go back to any of the uh, episodes we've done this season, watch the episode, and you're, you're right in the midst uh, uh, with the rest of us that we can uh, have the conversation uh, right along with you. So uh, please join us for that and for the others. Uh, but for this episode, my friends, we will bid you adieu by saying... Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. <laughs> <laughs>